You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. love seems to be beyond us, or at least it's beyond me. This love seems to be beyond me, yet God can build in us that love as we pursue the heart of Christ, as we glean from His Word the love of Christ, and as we get into His Word and study His Word and are built up in His Word, God can make our hearts like that. Our hearts to want all to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to all to come into glory and be saved. In Pastor Dave's message today, he shares how he longs for a heart that breaks for all to come to Christ. He recognizes, like many, that his heart is not there, but that through the Holy Spirit, it can get there. The Holy Spirit can create a love for Christ in you so strong that your heart also longs for all to come to know Christ. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 21 as he continues his message, All Things to All People. He didn't have a lot of luck with the Jews. He didn't have a lot of luck with the Jews. In fact, everywhere he went, they liked him so much, they wanted to kill him. No, he, he didn't have a real good running record with the Jews. You know, It wasn't really one of his best times. But he was a Jew, born of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, of the law blameless. You already know his entire resume in Philippians 3. Paul loved his countrymen, and Paul would want his countrymen to come in. Look what he says in Romans 9, verses 1 through 5. You've got to read that to understand Paul's mindset on how he acts towards his Jews, his friends, his neighbors. Romans 9, verses 1 through 5, I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience always bearing witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who was over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Wow. You get some heartfelt feeling there of how he felt about his Jews. He says, I wish I would be a curse. I could be a curse for my brethren. Wow, this is such an extreme, bold statement. I don't know if I could honestly do this. I don't know if I could honestly say that, but yet Paul affirmed it was true. He said, this is true. In Paul's case, his conscience bears witness by the Holy Spirit that he received this. You can hear the heaviness in Paul's heart. What a heart Paul had. This great burden for his brothers, the Jewish people. If it were possible, he says, I want to be accursed. If it was possible, I'd give up my salvation that they might have everlasting life. I want that heart. I want that heart for my kids. I want that heart for my kids. I want that heart for your families. I want that heart for your kids. I want that heart that Paul had. Because he knew where salvation existed. He knew the benefits of salvation. 
You know, but Paul has sorrow and continual grief because his countrymen, the Jews, now are a people who seem to be separated from God's love. They seem to be an unbelieving group, and they rejected God's Messiah. Jesus Christ, they rejected him. They, they had helped in having him kill. Paul was willing to be damned if it meant that his countrymen could be saved. Wow. See, Paul really wanted an effective ministry in Jerusalem. He yearned for solidarity between the Gentiles and the Jews. Paul envisioned one church and one church only, the church of Jesus Christ. R. Kent Hughes writes this, Paul had a massive view of solidarity, a church of Jews and Gentiles, united, militant, taking the world by storm for Christ, not giving in to the legalism of the Judaizers. Yet Paul went along to the elders' compromising suggestion. Why? He loved his lost nation more than he loved his own life. And he longed for the evangelistic power of God to mass self-self through the church, exhibiting the solidarity of Christ, unquote. Unity that only the Holy Spirit can give. Unity that only the Holy Spirit in us can give. This love seems to be beyond us, or at least it's beyond me. This love seems to be beyond me, yet God can build in us that love as we pursue the heart of Christ, as we glean from His Word the love of Christ, and as we get into His Word and study His Word and are built up in His Word, God can make our hearts like that. Our hearts to want all to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to all to come into glory and be saved. That should be our heart's desires. I know many of you have children who are unsaved. Many of you have brothers and sisters who are unsaved. Some of you have parents that are unsaved. And I know your want for them is to come into the kingdom of God to be saved and to enter into this glorious, glorious relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. I know that's your desire. Paul says, I'll give up my salvation. I'll give it up if they would come in. Wow. Wow. Paul looked at solidarity, this oneness. Is it any difference than his example? His example was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ showed this same solidarity thought in John 17, verses 20 to 23. When he's praying, he's praying to the Father. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you've sent me and you have loved me as you have loved them. Wow. The oneness that Christ was praying for before he was crucified, the oneness that we have. Christ is Paul's ultimate example and should be our ultimate example as well. Christ's love for sinners led him to the cross. Paul's love for his fellow countrymen led him to submit to the elders' request. Paul's, uh, excuse me, Christ left the glory of heaven. He took on human form. He suffered and died on the cross so that we could be reconciled to the Father. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, 4, said he was taken up to heaven. He saw wondrous things. He saw glory behind glory. He saw so much that he was warned he couldn't talk about it. But yet he was willing to give it all up. Wow. We've never seen heaven. We have no idea what it looks like. We have 
some idea as we read through the Scriptures, but we really don't know what it looks like, but we can know it's glorious. Paul saw it. Paul saw it and still said, I'd give it up for them. Wow. Now, there's a heart you don't see every day. There's love that you don't see every day. Show me that kind of love, and thousands upon thousands of people will accept Christ today. Show that kind of love to someone, and they will accept Christ immediately. I firmly believe that. Oh, that we would have that kind of love, that we would be able to reach out to this glorious land of ours and say, come to Jesus Christ. As the time and the age goes like this, as it closes in, as the age of grace slowly dissipates, many, many, many are out there. It's time for me to start crying again because I'm going to start taking a walk on my beloved Wildwood Boardwalk. Oh, how I love the boardwalk. Eat my way from one side to the other. I love the Wildwood Boardwalk. I walk all two and a half miles of it, and on my way back I go, okay, I just exercise now. Here we go. Man, I love to eat my way back through the Wildwood Boardwalk. But as I'm going through this time, through this eating fest, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people up there, and my heart starts to break. My heart starts to break because I question, is this the best it gets for them? Is Wildwood the best it'll ever be for them? And my heart breaks for them. And I long, and I long to yearn to get a soapbox and stand up there and say, you're going to hell. Come to Jesus Christ. Look around. Turn around and be saved. Oh, that we would have that heart. You know, to outside observers, it might look like Paul's life was inconsistent, but he had one goal and one goal purpose, and that was to win people for Jesus Christ. That was his sole purpose. Paul didn't get up in the morning and go, I want us on my agenda. Paul got up in the morning and said, who can be saved today? Wow. You know, his message was non-negotiable. I love that about Paul. His message was non-negotiable. What made Paul an effective marketing savvy was he was stubborn to, because he had this devotion to the truth. Paul had a devotion to the truth. He was Christ's ambassador. He wasn't Christ's politician. He wasn't his press secretary. He was an ambassador for Jesus Christ. The truth was something to be declared, not negotiated. You don't negotiate with the truth. There's non-negotiable items in the Bible. They are non-negotiable, and the truth is one of them. We know from Romans 1.16, Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel. He knew it was the power of God to salvation. We know what he suffered for Christ's sake. You can read that in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28, how much he suffered for Christ. He never backed down in face of opposition or even rejection, even from his own beloved people. He did not compromise with unbelievers, and he did not make friends with the enemies of God. Wow. Can we learn something from Paul? I think so. I think so. Can you imagine what one person did by the name of the Apostle Paul, oh my, can you imagine if there was 10 of them? Can you imagine if there was 20, 30, 40, 50? What would happen in this world? Everybody wanting to pray for revival for our beloved country. We want our beloved country to be saved. Put some Pauls in the mix and the country will be saved. Put some people out there not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Put some people out there who don't want to negotiate, who want to tell people the truth. And yes, this country has a chance. 
See, Paul participated in the Jewish purification ceremonies. He knew it wasn't necessary for life everlasting. He knew it. But he was trying to build a gap, build this bridge of ministry. He had Timothy circumcised because Timothy was a Jew. He didn't have Titus circumcised because Titus was not. He wanted to get it done so that he could get along with the Jews. To the Gentiles, he behaved himself as a Gentile. That is, he didn't observe the Levitical laws because the Gentiles never had the law in the first place. We studied that on Wednesday night. The law was never given to the Gentiles in the first place. Why should they be expected to follow the law? We should never think that Paul changed his doctrine or his message to, to appeal to different groups. But he would change his behavior and the manner of his approach. Paul was willing to offend people over the gospel, but he would only offend them by the gospel and nothing else. There's a big difference. Big difference. So let's wrap this up. What do we learn from Paul's experience? How can we glean from what Paul has showed us today? I, for one, do not think he sinned. I'm on the side of the people who, who, who believe that he was following his statement in 1 Corinthians 9, where he was wanting to be to the Jews. He was becoming a Jew. I mean, who better to be a Jew than Paul? He was Jew. He was Jewish. But we can learn some things from him. And the first thing I see is there's four things. The first thing I see is no matter how high our spiritual motivation is, we need to be especially careful of error and bad judgment. We are all in the same boat. We can error and we can make bad judgment even if our hearts are right. We cannot allow our enthusiasm to blur our judgment. Our enthusiasm to have somebody saved or to bend the truth just a little bit, to compromise, to accommodate their need so that we can get them. You know, sometimes we have these great ideas and they're really, really good ideas. And Maybe you have a great idea for some evangelistic outreach. And you're thinking, how can we reach the masses? We think that a lot. How can we reach out there? And right away you start thinking of what would the world do? Er, Wrong answer. Turn around and go back. Think of what would Jesus do? Not what the world would do. Let's win people for Christ his way, not the world's way. That's when we err. We want so many people to get saved. Our hearts are right. Our hearts are good. We want people to get saved. Let's have a big concert. We'll invite all these people to have a big concert. Yeah, well, one of these bands is, well, they're not really Christian, but they're very popular. Think of all the crowd it'll draw. We're, we're treading on the world's territory. We don't want to be like the world. In our planning, in our error, we go the way of the world. We use poor judgment, and we use worldly techniques to attract people. We must always be aware of what our witness is. We must always be aware of what we are portraying to the world. I want to portray Christ. I want to portray Jesus to the world. Secondly, you know, we can be pressured towards questionable actions by the sins of others. Let me say that again. We can be pressured to questionable actions by the sins of others. I think this is what's happening to this senator who just changed his mind on same-sex marriage. He's being pressured by the sin of his child because he loves his child so much and he doesn't want to offend his child, so he's changing his position. We can get in the same boat with that. We have to be very, very careful. You know, if the Jerusalem church had defended Paul, if they'd have stood up and said, Paul's our guy, we believe him, he's preaching the truth, leave him alone, but they didn't. Why? Because they never taught the Word of God to the people. They didn't give the people the truth. They gave them half-truths. 
They would have never had to pressure Paul into making this questionable move. But you know what, guys? We live in a fallen world. We live in a falling world, and we're all, all prone to poor judgment. You've been around me long enough. You know I have some poor judgment sometimes. We're all prone to poor judgment. We have poor judgment. We error. And we must be gracious to those who are in error, those who make mistakes in judgment. We need to be gracious to them. We always must look at their motives. What's the motive of their heart? Why are they doing this? If the Apostle Paul was in error, it was an error of judgment, not an error in heart. His heart was in the right place. This shows me that any of us could fail. Any of us could slide into compromise at any time. Take heed, lest you fall. Take heed. We need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our hearts and our minds by that encompassing, unsurpassing peace that God gives us. And that will guard our hearts and our minds. We need to have hearts like Paul. We need to have hearts like Paul. Our hearts have to be passionate about the gospel. We want people saved, but are you passionate about the gospel? Do you take a risk now and then for God, to give God glory, even when it looks like it's an unwise decision? It's been said that some hearts don't risk anything. Some hearts don't risk anything. Listen to this little list. It has been said that some hearts don't risk anything. They neither strive for sin nor sainthood. They just kind of go around in this temperate zone, free from storms and trials, and they just accommodate everything in life. They're just kind of there. If you've never burned for souls of the unsaved, you will avoid rejection. If you don't have a heart for the unsaved, you'll never be rejected because you'll never tell anybody about Christ. If you never suggest a plan to reach your community, you'll never be criticized. How easy it is? Don't take a risk. Don't follow what the Lord might have you do. If you've never given counsel to someone going through the pain of separation or divorce, guess what? You'll never give wrong counsel. One commentator said, just think of all the heavenly checks you will never cash for yourself in heaven. Take a risk. Let your heart, put your heart out there. Take a risk. And finally, we need to learn about our freedom in Jesus Christ. We need to learn about the freedom that we have, and we need to live that way. There's this tremendous liberty that Christ has given us. It's a tremendous Tremendous liberty, and it's a remarkable aspect of the Christian life. We don't have to yield to customs. We don't have to yield to ceremonies. We don't have to yield to human opinion. There are no earthly priests that we have to go to. There's one mediator between God and man, the Christ Jesus. There's no man that we have to go to. We don't need to make a pilgrimage to a temple to worship. The worship our temple is the body of the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Spirit. We are the temple of God. We can worship in spirit and truth and God anytime we want, any place we want. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as our advocate and comforter. We're Christ. And in Christ is God. Our spiritual lives are not governed by merely external codes, but by God's grace through the Holy Spirit. And it operates in us to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. Grace teaches us to deny ungodliness and, and unworldly desires and to be sensible and live righteously and godly. And grace working through us 
We're being conformed in the image of our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what that the Holy Spirit does as he works in us. Grace through the Holy Spirit reveals the truth to us in God's word. Because this is God revealed to us right here. And the grace in us by the Holy Spirit reveals that word to us. It helps us to grow. The grace in us through the Holy Spirit gives us direction for our lives and gives us purpose, where we should go, what we should do, what we should say. Gives us words to say. Gives us life to give and give others. Grace that has been given to us through the Holy Spirit causes us to have unity. To be one in Christ. To be one body. We might be many, but we are all one in Christ because the commonality running through our veins is Jesus Christ. He is our commonality. And finally, it's that grace through the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live holy lives. It's the grace through the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live the life that Christ died for us to have. To be witnesses of Him. Witnesses of Him in this dying world so that others may come in. Others may join in fellowship with us, but they're fellowshipping with us as we fellowship with Him. Because it's Christ and Christ alone. And thereupon we stand And that's the rock that we'll never be moved from. We cannot be moved from that position, and I will not be moved from that position. It is where I stand. You can call me narrow-minded. You can call me unflexible, but I will not move from the solid rock of Jesus Christ. This is what I've learned from what the study of Paul today. You may have a different opinion upon whether Paul sinned or whether or not, and that's fine. I'll be glad to share that with you, and you can tell me your ideas. I'd be glad to share that. But this is what I see. This is what's happening. But we need to make it real for today, now. We need to look at this and go, okay, what can we glean from this and what can we take home with us today? I can tell you what to take home. You can take home a heart for God, a heart for the truth, and a heart to share that truth with the unsaved world. And it begins in your own household. Share the love of Christ. Share the love with someone today. Don't wait until you're prepared. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't wait until you get yourself all worked up. No, no, do it today. Whether it be at lunch, whether it be at Wawa, whether it be getting gas, whether it be at Acme, ShopRite, I don't care where it is, whether it be out on a boat fishing, wherever you might go, share the love of Jesus Christ with someone today. Don't worry about rejection. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Him. They're rejecting Christ. Stand up for what you believe. Be firm in what you believe. Know what you believe. Make them believe that you believe what you say you believe. Stand strong for God. Days are ending fast, folks. The time she's a frittering, and the time is getting close. We're going to be called out of here. We're going to be home. Praise God. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. There's still a lot of work to do before then. There's still a lot of people out there that need to be saved because... My prayer is that none would perish. You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage all our listeners to spend time daily in the Bible, learning from the timeless text that your Creator has given you. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Dave's teachings from this series in Acts or explore messages from other books of the Bible, you can do so by visiting AssureHopeRadio.com. 
You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, we'd be happy to send you one. Just give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope. But we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique, God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and childcare is available. We're excited to have you join us. For more information and to get directions, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. That brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor Dave's study in the book of Acts today. And we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.